This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are, you would expect me to say, Jim Spence and Sean Hamilton. No, Jim Spence and Alan Temple. It's got to that stage again, Alan, where, listen, we've been meaning to get you on for a couple of weeks, but you like a Thursday off, so here we are, and it's, uh, it's <laughs> you're just going to do a soliloquy on Dunfermline for us now, aren't you? No. How dreadfully disappointing that intro must have been <laughs> for all the listeners. That's I'm like a part-timer there, you know? <laughs> no, no, I'm going I'm to I'm build you, I'm going to do the big drum roll again, Alan has been, he's been, he's been all over the Dunfermline story from, 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 from I was going to say start to finish it's the Peter Grant story from start to finish we should say he's been all the analysis all the, uh, the runners and riders for the replacement and he was even there to give us a wee a wee video of sweary Dunfermline fans <laughs> at, the, at the bus at the bus at which will become the uh, the final the parting shot as it were but so Alan where are we let's let's start at where, where we are just now What's this? What's the the current situation before we go into the sort of some more nuts and bolts about where it's maybe where it's gone wrong and the the sort of the scale of the job that the new man's going to be taking on? Where where are we just now? Where we are just now is Dunfermline are kind of stepping up to the next stage of their recruitment process. They're determined not to make the same mistakes they made with the Peter Grant appointment where they basically headhunted Peter Grant. They didn't speak to a single other candidate despite, despite having 80 applications. Um, that would have looked like genius if Peter Grant had been a success, but it looks like folly uh, that he wasn't a success. So they're not going to make the same mistakes again. It's going to be what they've called a robust recruitment process. So you can expect a couple of rounds of interviews. You can expect short, a short, proper shortlist. You can expect CVs being properly analysed. And in the fullness of time... Um, I would say smart money perhaps next week. Um, you will eventually get their preferred candidate. But I can understand that as we speak, it's been 10 days or so since Peter Grant left and there's a degree of impatience. But what I would say is with the situation that Dunfermline find themselves in, um, getting a candidate through the door swiftly um, is far less imperative than getting the right candidate through the door um, because uh, getting the wrong person this time would be disastrous. Uh, yeah. Already five points from safety. This needs to be the right appointment. So, yeah, I would expect the tail end. I mean, we're speaking on Thursday, so I would expect over the next 24, 48 hours the, them to have a really firm idea of a couple of names that they really want to drill down on. Maybe after another conversation, that becomes something that's approaching an appointment next week. That would be the that would be the expectation. But as everyone um, around this. Uh, digital table, if you like, um, knows uh, situations like this can be fluid. The thing is, Al, I mean, every, manage, every managerial search has these has its own peculiarities, but this one for Dunfermline, it throws up a few, doesn't it? Because not only you've got all these little, little sort of competing forces, haven't you? Because normally you would imagine Dunfermline's situation and we'll go into that as well, and, and you can you can you can tell us later on how perilous you you think it may or may not be. But in a situation like that, you would say, okay, this is calling for a experienced Scottish manager who is ready, who is built for the circumstances Dunfermline find themselves in. I.e., first priority, keep themselves in the championship, and then take it from there. But you've got this, the new owners. Foreign owners, German owners, who will have their own ideas about how a football club should be run, the direction it should go in, and it feels like almost like that is a competing force against the predicament that Dunfermline find themselves in. It's it's a really, really, it's a tough. It's a that's I guess that's why we're seeing. You know, you did the sort of runners and riders at the start, but I guess that's why we're seeing a sort of broad spectrum, and they they could go and totally different directions couldn't they Gal? yeah it's a it's, yeah it's a fascinating point you make and it's uh absolutely is the dilemma that they find themselves in i think this appointment will be made far more from the german owner's perspective than the existing chairman ross has made it clear that he's leaving at the end of this season so while he is 
there to grease the wheels of bureaucracy, if you like. Um, this is an appointment. <laughs> what a job! That, eh? <laughs> this is a this is an appointment that the the German owners need to be comfortable with. They need this to be their person, which is another reason why things might take a, a little bit longer because they aren't steeped in the runners and riders and the well-kent faces of Scottish football in the way that you would be if you'd lived in Scotland all your life. So they want to look at the whites of uh, these people's eyes. They want to see if what they experience as people is the same as what it looks like on paper. So that's, again, is why it maybe takes a wee extra round of conversations for them to feel entirely comfortable. But you're right, it's a really interesting decision that they're going to have to make because um, if they were just going to say survival is the only aim this season, then you maybe do look at a, a firefighter and somebody that knows the lower echelons of Scottish football. Or do they still still think, do you know what, we have to plan for the future. This it needs to be someone young, bright, that can work under a sporting director and, and Thomas Megal and be open to, to that sort of um, unit. So... Yeah, it's um, th- that the answer where they've come down on that question will only be answered when someone's holding a scarf above their head. I know it's uh, before I go to Jim. Then I'll. Do, what's your what's your gut instinct? Then I mean, do you think they will go? Do you think this will be circumstances driven? Do you think it will be uh, interview driven, or do you do you think they will go into this thinking right? I want a manager. I'm going to say we're shelving our, our long-term visions. I want a manager for these circumstances. Or do you think they will go in thinking, I want them? No, I am. I'm, we are We are absolutely fixed in the idea of how we run a football club. I want a manager in this mould. How, how, how do you think they'll approach this? Maybe it's, it's, probably, it's, a, it's a ridiculously hard question, but I suppose I, suppose I could ask it as, how would you approach, how would you approach it? No, it's a, it's a fair question. I'd be happy to, from you know my experience of the, the structure there and the, the pieces that they have already put in place, I'd be very surprised if they shelved all of their ideas for how they think a football club can operate properly. They've put a sporting director in place who is also part of the ownership group. So, um, and Thomas Megal, and they'll they'll look to bring somebody in that is comfortable with that sort of modern structure of coaching. Somebody that, so uh, it won't be. I mean, you know, bookmark this if if he ends up get walking through the door. But it's not going to be a Dick Campbell. It's not going to be somebody that will react incredibly badly to somebody suggesting a signing or suggesting a tactical tweak. It will be somebody that's comfortable with that sort of way of running a football club. So that you doesn't could get you could get somebody that can be both, can't you? That's the thing. Of course well, I was that's gonna what say I'm hoping for. I was going to say, I'm not trying to be ageist about that. I'm not suggesting that means it needs to be a young manager. It just needs to be someone that's maybe, uh, you know, a little bit less uh, autocratic about the way they want to run their football club. So, But beyond that, I think they'll be open in terms of who can do the right job as long as they're um, amenable to a a collaborative approach uh, because that's what they'll want to do. You know, they're going to set up a youth academy. They're going to build a new training ground. This will all be done kind of together as one unit and yeah, they need to. They'll need to get a vibe that they can work together rather than just getting somebody in to firefight and play four five one and scrape them out of trouble. I think mm. fascinating, Jim, isn't it? Oh, it's it's a it's quite an, an incredible um, situation, Eric. I mean, you know, I, I'm kind of conscious being pro- probably the senior, uh, you know, age wise, probably not intelligent <laughs> of, of the three here. You know, and listen to that outrageously ageist statement from young Mister Temple there. You know, no, I mean, look, I, 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 I'm I'm of an age where you know I can remember them film as a truly great club. You know, and and uh, there's a generation of of kind of younger Pars fans grown up. Seen them as a mid-table outfit um, and a mid-table champion. Well, actually, they're not even a mid-table championship outfit at the moment. I mean, it's actually addressed as my column at the weekend. I mean, it's 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 a dire prospect of even contemplating the parts. You know, with that great structure they've got. I mean, this you know the stadium still looks one of the most modern in Scotland. It was built years ago. That big main stand and all the rest. Of it, you know, the, the the infrastructure they've got, the plans that the German owners have got, and the prospect of them dropping out. Um, 
to the championship is, is, is horrific. Look what's happened to, to Falkirk. Uh, th- there's a combination of things, and you know Alan uh, has touched on most of them. There. I suppose it depends on you know the kind of manager they want. Uh, are they going to go down the experience route? Is it someone who can work with the sporting director? I mean, remember, you know, sporting directors in Scotland until a number of years back, not that many years back, were kind of just an unknown quantity. And now we've got them at Tannadice. We, we've had one at Hearts, didn't work out there with, with Craig Levine. You know, it's, it's not necessarily um, a, a post that... Um, you know, that I ag- agree with or disagree with. I think it depends on the individuals concerned, the individual clubs concerned. But the thing is, the German uh, ownership at the moment wants to go down that road. That's the way they've bought into it. I think there's a danger here for, for Thomas Megel, and I don't know um, the fella, but the danger here um, is that he was busy explaining a, a while back why they still had faith in Peter Grant when it was all going horribly wrong. And to some extent, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't in this, that situation. But, but you know, if, if, if he makes a hash of this one and if the, 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 the German owners make a hash of this one, uh, then any, any further confidence in him will be dis- disintegrating quicker than a snail in a barrel of salt. Um, you know, the, the, the pars are really, um, you know, in a very difficult place, between a rock and a hard place here, um, in terms of you know who they go for, um, who has the expertise to to analyse uh, the kind of manager they want here? I, I don't know. Will it be Thomas Megel who who kind of has the final say? If Ross MacArthur's gone out the door, my suspicion is that he will probably play a limited part. Yeah, um, I think it has to, isn't it? Because the amount of yeah. the amount of. Uh, managers with no, it's happened all too often when you find mm-hmm. a manager that gets appointed by. You know, he's not yesterday's man yet, but he soon will be. You know, it's. I, th- I think the, the the danger here is is that you know um, you're you're caught between, as I say, a rock and a hard place. You, you look at CVs, so if you look at CVs for an up and coming young manager, by the nature of things, he, he probably hasn't done much in the game as a manager. You know, you look at CV of of a more experienced manager, and you think, can he work with a sporting director? Who who, who might be able to to do that? Um, th- that would probably throw into the heart the likes of a John Robertson for a younger type of manager. It would be. Uh, a Mark Foringham or a Stuart Petrie or a Kenny Miller or something like that. Um, you know, so it all depends, I think, on... I think the actual interview is, is the big thing, where people get a feel for each other. Now, listen, at an interview, you can be the biggest con artist in the world. You know, you could pull the wool over someone's eyes if you're very good at that sort of stuff. Um, that, so it depends on the interviewee and the interviewers. Um, so I'm working on the basis, that not, not knowing the internal workings of the club at this stage in the game, I'm working on the basis that the sporting director will have a massive a massive hand um, in this. Uh so you know, well, we know he's he's a he, he 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 has a great deal of expertise in the game. We know that and all the rest of it. Is there a different element to Scottish football? Yes, I mean I don't always necessarily buy this. It's still you know it's still well. I was going to say eleven men against eleven men. It's actually usually um, sixteen against sixteen these days, being a squad game. But it's about you know it is football at the end of the day. Um, I understand what the German owners have come in with, with the long-term plans, the direction they want to take the club, you know, in terms of kind of how how they breed their own and, and, and all the rest of it. That, that kind of plan seems to have worked at Tannadice, but um, sometimes it goes horribly wrong. Um, the first part of their plan's gone horribly wrong <coughs> with Peter Grant. They now find themselves fighting against relegation as opposed to what many of us thought, myself included, that they would be chasing uh, chasing promotion. So, you know, they are in a very, very difficult place. They will have some great CVs, and I'm sure of that, because they're a big club. You know, they've done fairly get going. They, they, they really were. I think I saw something in... In a, another newspaper, Eric, I will not mention it, but they're saying that you know that what? Uh, what? That, that, uh, that you know uh, w- w- the statement on the, uh, on the club website when when Thomas Megel put something out that normally a post uh, attracts between fifteen hundred and four thousand readers, but the statement was sitting at forty one thousand. So it, that that was when he was talking about you know how, how he still had faith in Grant. But what that indicates, I think, is the level of interest there is in, in the club. You know, I mean, you know, the biggest club in five by one way. They're one Alan- of Alan will tell you by, big, by, big his, by his page views for all these dumb oh. filming stories he's been doing. It. Absolutely, <laughs> there is an audience out there, but Absolutely. there we go. Big, big We're in a modern club. age now, Jim. Yeah, it's, it's bought me an extension. <laughs> <laughs> a contract extension or a house extension. <laughs> <laughs> It's a huge problem for them. Um, uh, the problem is when we are, you know, when, when when we as journalists are asked to kind of pontificate, all we can say is here are the guys that might be in it. But someone may well come from left field. I think the danger for Dunfermline now is 
they went down the road of a man who, you know, had a big name in the game as a player, had a big name in the game at the level he'd coached it and all the rest of it. He was a big name generally. Um, so there's no guarantee that a big name or a big-ish name will, will, will bring you success. Similarly, there's no guarantee that a young, vibrant, upcoming manager will bring you success. That could be a disaster as well. That's the danger. It was, it was the reason that, you know, that when... Uh, Tom Courts was appointed at Tannadice. I said in McCollum, only slightly tongue-in-cheek that you're taking as big a chance or you're taking no bigger a chance with Courts' appointment than you would have been with Mourinho. So many elements can go right, so many elements can go wrong. And Dunfermline are in exactly that position at the moment. The key thing at the moment is, it's all very well talking about long-term plans and all the rest of it. The key thing at the moment for Dunfermline is to ensure that they do not go down a division, that they stay in that division. In fact, they can turn it around and maybe make a push um, for, for higher up the league, uh, you know, the promotion would, would appear to be, unless you're a miracle worker, would appear to be way beyond them at the moment. So can you tie that ambition in, and that has to be the ultimate ambition, can you tie that ambition in with the ambition of, um, you know, long-term three-year, four-year, five-year structural plans? I'm not sure that you can and keep the fans on board. Mm. I think, okay, I mean, I'm not saying this with any any inside information, Alan, but I, I've got a feeling they'll they'll go down the middle because I, I still think I think there'll be an element of uh, denial that they're in a proper relegation battle which is the next thing we're going to come on to but I, I think there'll be an element of denial that that this is as serious as maybe you might think it is Alan and those of us that know the championship year in year out and know Falkirk's story and Partick Thistle's story and all these sort of things, think that it may well be. So I've got a feeling, I think we can, I don't think they'll be bold enough or or sort of take the the, the, the gamble of a Mark Fotheringham, a real untried guy in terms of Scottish football. I think we'll be going down the middle and that's why I think somebody like a Kenny Miller will end up getting it because you can sell him as a young, you know, a young coach, stroke manager. You can brand, you can you can give him the job title you choose. Whereas even with a Stuart Petrie and guys who've been in the game that bit longer, they already have their reputations. They already have their sort of, you know, you get pigeonholed, don't you, in in football? That's why that I, I I've got a feeling it will be a Kenny Kenny Miller or somebody of that ilk. What do you think, Al? Kenny's certainly grafting for it, that's for sure. Um, he's done the Nothing rounds. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> he's done the rounds on just about every podcast and radio show that I've come across. But so, and and to be fair, what I will say is he speaks fantastically well about Dunfermline. You know, I'm listening to him, and he is he is name checking key players, injury problems, tactical issues. So that's a man that's done his due diligence and if you were going to put two and two together you might suggest that he's doing all that research not just for appearances on the radio um so that's i, I would say that kenny miller would definitely want the job and it would come down to after a few conversations with him whether dunfermline would want him to be the manager um whether you could sell Kenny Miller as that middle ground, Eric, I think it's an it's an interesting one. I don't mm-hmm. think the fans would take that as a middle ground appointment. I think they would take that as just as risky as Mark, okay. say, Mark Fotheringham. Okay. It's, Mark Fotheringham has infinitely more coaching experience at a better level than Kenny Miller so does, who, who are, over in Germany. Who, I, are the, from, who are the middle ground candidates that you think then, if, if, if you were to go follow my theory to its conclusion, who do you think are the sort of compromised characters, if you see what I mean? Jim McIntyre. Yeah, I, I would say um, is the one that comes to mind. Um, uh, you know, I, I realise that his name's probably, there's probably as well. there's, yeah. yeah, there's probably Dundee fans that are scoffing at that, but obviously I, I come at it from a, a slightly different perspective. Um, my first <laughs> my first year doing uh, you know a journalism job uh, full time was covering um, Marcus promotion with uh, Dunfermline and the way he got. Um, a side that had been through some kind of challenges with the, the previous regime, oh, yeah. the way he brought those boys together, the way he kicked on um, and won promotion was really, really impressive. The next season didn't go well. He he was too loyal to some ageing players and 
um, you know, um, perhaps it wasn't a team lessons. ready for the top flight, was it? Yeah, or I think I, I, did a I lot think of filming as well. It wasn't yeah. ready at all. It was just. I ready. think I think Jim would accept that he learned a lot of lessons and he did a fine job at um, Queen of the South. He won a trophy at Ross County. Didn't go well at Dundee, obviously. But I think if you're Dunfermline, if you're you know the legacy board members that are still directors at Dunfermline, or if you're even a fan, I think you would look at what he did at the club and think. Not only does he know the the league, but he will get the players up for a scrap. And when the time comes to maybe step up and look to challenge at the top end of the table, he's also proved that he can do that with Dunfermline. So I think if you were looking for a compromise appointment, I think maybe a Jim McIntyre would make sense um, in that regard. But yeah, you're right in what you say in terms of the whether there could be a sense of denial. I mean, I think I was in denial until that Morton defeat on Saturday. Yeah, sure. um, I come on then. Know, how, how serious is it then? How serious well, is it? The, the moment you get to the point where you need two rounds of fixtures to guarantee your safety, that's when it starts to feel kind of real. Um, you know, up until that point, it had been one good weekend could take them off the bottom of the league. One good weekend could take them out of the relegation zone. Now they're five points from guaranteed safety. That's that You need two rounds of fixtures to, to make that up um, and for the results to go your way in those rounds of fixtures. And 13 rounds of fixtures have already gone. So it's, it is a serious situation now. And, you know, I spoke to the, the great man, Jim Jeffries, for, for today's paper, and you can find that online as well. And, you know, he was drawing that parallel that was made earlier in terms of Falkirk, you know, another club that's really, really close to Jim's heart and saying, you know, just look at them if you think that not only are you not too big to go down, but you're then not too big to fail to come back up again. That's the problem. You then become, there's a target on your back for every team in League One. And, you know, Jim experienced that with Dunfermline. And, yeah, not only can you, do you not want to get relegated, it's not as if you're thinking, oh, it's one year in League One, we'll, you know, we'll survive. It's not guaranteed to just be one year in League One. So, yeah, it's imperative that they don't go down. Uh, stating the obvious there, but uh, it would be a disaster for um, w- what should be a really, really bright, project moving forward yeah Jim when you're settling into to winter you know Christmas <laughs> folk are buying their Christmas presents and and on are five points of drift you, you're this is this is the life you've got now isn't it you know it, it's if you can for, I don't know if you can forget about the playoffs can't you if you this is about staying up for this season, isn't it, for Dunfermline? It's a tale of kind of potential Dickensian bleak midwinter there. I mean, f- f- football can... Uh, Tee you up there, Jim, didn't I? Tee you up. You know, f- I mean, f- football can take you in funny direction. It's funny when Alan men- mentioned Jim Jeffries there, just, a tale sprung back into my mind, you know, my, uh, you know, about how things can kind of go in a, the wrong direction for people. I mean, I remember one night getting a phone call from uh, fr- from said JJ, you know, uh, and he said to me, Jim, I, b- I believe your, your, your big pal, <laughs> my pal, who's my neighbour, Seb Dykes, uh, is, is, you know, it could be available and the rest of it. And Jim was, you know, Jim was going to make a really good offer, but um, Seep didn't wear the trousers in the house, and his wife was <laughs> dem- his, his wife was demanding. I was demanding, you know, a certain a certain amount. And I went back and I said to Jim, Jim, he said, they're not in any agency, you know. I mean, journalists used to do this sort Aye, of thing. What was your thing. Cut, Jim, team, eh? You know, no, no, I wasn't known as Mister Ten Percent or nothing. So I went back and I said, Aye. he said, oh, we can't give him that, you know, but we give him this plus a plus a wee, um, you know, an appearance money. He'd be play- he would be playing every week, um, and and they weren't for it, you know. And the next thing, Seep's back in home, what was a post? or something like that or a, a prison guard I think it was yeah, 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 yeah this, this podcast, private, goes, you know, so, this podcast so, meanders I mean, in different directions I, I, so I, dig, I mean I digress but it's indicative of how you know, a club, an individual, a player, a manager can find their career on track one minute and well off beat the beaten track the next minute. Now, Dunfermline are really well off the beaten track. You know what I mean? W- w- when you've played 13 league matches, you haven't got a win, you've drawn seven, you've lost six, you've only scored 10 and you've conceded 23 and you have seven points and you're four adrift to Queen of the South and five adrift of Morton, you know you are in big trouble. Um so, you know, the, 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 my suspicion is that you're probably right. It, it, it's middle ground. It, it, it's, I don't know if it's a job that somebody coming in who hasn't managed before or has managed maybe at part-time lower league level can, you know, can suddenly... Um, make the leap too. Um, if they do, if they're interviewed, they've got to persuade the board of the fact that they can do that, and that's going to take a lot of persuasion. Um, I think you need to try two things in here. You need to tie in what I said earlier on. Somebody who can buy into the plan, um, you know, those three, four, five-year plans, whatever they are, or 
or, or and uh, persuade the board. That, that's great. I can buy into that. But meantime, here's 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 the big task. Here's what we've got to do. And that big task is ensuring that the club doesn't drop down. And that's why I kind of wonder if somebody like a John Robertson, um, you know, with that kind of experience, or a Jim McIntyre. I dealt with Jim a lot when he was at Dunfermline. And, and there was always a great atmosphere about the place when Jim was there. It was a real kind of sense of bonding, a sense of togetherness, um, a, a, a sense of, um, I mean, I'm trying to remember, I think they trained at the, it was the fleet grounds in those days, I think, at Rosyth, you know, and there was always just a great atmosphere about the place, you know, um, so it might well be that, that you know, that, that Jim kind of returns in a sense to the ancestral home, but my suspicion is that, that probably what you want at the minute is someone who has, you know, is kind of vibrant enough and, and uh, you know, to, to kind of to instill a sense of kind of belief and all the rest in the troops, and that'll take some doing at the moment, uh, but also experienced enough to know the pitfalls that lie ahead. Um, but, but you, you know, the thing is, you're, you're throwing balls up in the air here because it entirely depends on Thomas Megal and and I suppose the legacy that directors, as Alan calls them, there. Um, I mean, I don't know the functioning of the club. Who, you know, is it a collegiate? Is it a collective kind of board? Or, or you know, is it one of these? Thanks very much for your opinion, boys. Now here's what I'm going to do because we've all we've all seen clubs like that. You know, um, did a bit of consultancy work for one of them once. You know, so um, that that's the danger here. Will it be a collegiate decision or will it? You know, will it be? Thank you very much for your input. Now here's what I'm going to do from. Thomas Megal. I, I I don't know if that's the case. Um, then you know potentially, Dunfermline could be in a very risky place. I don't, by the way, think Kenny Miller would be a bad appointment at all. Um, I think with the contacts book he's got, the experience uh, that he's got, uh, you know, as a player and his wee spelling management and all the rest of it, it might not be a bad appointment at all. But there are others there who could do a job, such as. Um, Jim McIntyre, we Robbo as well. If, Rob, if Robbo's up for something like that, I don't know if he is or not. I haven't spoken for a while, but we John Robertson, I, I think, you know, has has many many credentials that that would, um, I think, lend him um, some credence for the job like this. Choices, choices, choices. All right, Alan. Before we leave the championship, you've seen a lot of Wraith, and you've saw you've seen a wee bit of our growth. You certainly saw them against Dunfermline. If we're saying that Dunfermline are in a a relegation battle at the stage of the season we're at. We'll have to say both Wraith uh, Rovers and Arbroath are promotion contenders. Now, Dick Campbell will hate us for describing Arbroath as such, but, you know, facts are facts, aren't they? We're deep enough into the season now to see both these teams have put together a, a bo- en- enough of a body of work to suggest that they're going to take some shifting from where they are just now. It's marvellous that Dick Campbell still manages to keep a straight face as he tells us that relegation, uh, avoiding relegation is the only aim this season, isn't it? It's fantastic. It's uh, He'll know as well as anyone that this Abroath team has now completed more than a cycle of championship fixtures and has absolutely nothing to fear from this division. It's, it's um, not the strongest league, is it? Let's be honest. It's not the, it's not the strongest league and Abroath have a team that... First of all, because pe- people very rarely start on this particular kind of um, uh, bit of praise, but they have some very, very good footballers in there. You know, they're a talented group. You know, uh, uh, Joe Nubley, Nicky Lowell, always been injured, but it was terrific at the start of the season. Michael McKenna, Thomas O'Brien, I'm, I'm been missing a plethora. You know, Bobby Lynn sitting on the bench. They have some wonderfully talented footballers, and Dick Campbell's moulded them into a team which also runs and runs and runs. Uh, it will outwork any team in this division um, or at least match any team in this division for its work rate. And if you have organisation, talent and work ethic, you will win games of championship football. So my only fear for them is how do you replace someone like Joe Nubley um, if, as is to be expected, he goes back to Livingston in January. Um, but beyond that, I've got no fears that a broth could be in the championship playoff shakeup. And once they get there, would you bet against a Dick Campbell team winning, you know, a couple of a couple of two-legged ties? Because I certainly wouldn't. And in terms of Wraith Rovers, probably, you know, probably the best footballing side in the championship. Uh, play wonderful stuff. Um, you know, Dylan Tate, Brad Spencer, Ross Matthews, beautiful midfield trio. Dario's and absolutely on fire this season. And Aidan Conley as well on the other flank has been superb. You know, Zanata and Conley, wonderful examples of the way John McGlynn can take players who have maybe been 
hyped up as young players, made the wrong move, not going well at other clubs, and people have written them off, never going to fulfil their talent, forget about it. He brings them in and illuminates their career, brings out their talent, gives them freedom, and he deserves all the credit in the world for that. And he's done the same, although slightly at uh, the other end of the age range, if uh, Christoph doesn't mind me saying, um, with Christoph Berra. He's been wonderful this season. And while he's not playing at the level he was last season, at this level, I think he's proved that there's still plenty of life in his legs and um, he's not quite read, ready for the for the knackers yard just yet. Yeah, well, I, I've got. I do have a feeling that Wraith uh, Rovers could be the ones to run uh, Kilmarnock closest this season. I do, but like you say, I think I don't. I, th- I don't think there's any ifs about them being the best football team in the in the division. I think they are. They just are. I think. So. I think. Um, you know, we mentioned that that Dunfermline title win uh, all those years ago. Um, I, th- I, I, my fear is, I think Kilmarnock could do. What, what Dunfermline did yeah, yeah, that yeah. season when they were battling Wraith for the title and go out and bring in a couple more marquee players. Meanwhile, Wraith are losing Dylan Tate to Hibs. Um, so uh, my worry is that, that you know Kilmarnock will see out the course of a long, difficult season due to the wherewithal of Tommy Wright and the agreed. additional resources that they've got. Agreed, agreed. Right, Jim, we'll bring you back on home territory, Dundee United. Now, they slipped, uh, dropped away... Announcement through the week there about changes, um, and the, and the the management, not the not the football management side of things, the uh, off the pitch management side of things, and you operations director. I'm sure you've been doing your homework on Luigi Capuano. Apologies if I've mispronounced that. What you, in general terms, what did you what did you take from the from the 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 changes and the is it just a is is it a gap that needed to be filled after? Mal Brannigan left, or is is just just sort of rearranging things a wee bit to to free Tony Ashgar up to that that seemed to be a bit of an inference, didn't it, to get him back more towards uh, his job description? Yeah, um, it's, uh, I mean it's an intriguing one. There's uh, you know that day to day running of the club always falls to a you know an operations director. Call it call it what you will. I mean, basically it's. It, it, it's a kind of CEO, isn't it? You know, I mean, they've, they've had one before. Um, <clears throat> they've had kind of, you know, you think of, of United's history. I mean, day to day at one time, we, Jim, uh, ran the show and he had about three people that worked with him. You know, a secretary. He had Spence Anderson, who I bumped into the other day, who kind of, uh, some kind of older folk. Although Spence is not a, that long away in the greater scheme of things, you know. Uh, and then over the piece, you know, things expanded and expanded. Stephen Thompson didn't have a huge retinue of staff, you know, but... Um, had uh, a, a CEO uh, w- working under him. Um, and, uh, you know, w- w- with United now, um, given that Mal Brannigan moved, as it was just over a year ago now, you know, I suppose there was a, a vacancy there. Um, I, I'm never entirely sure um, of, you know, uh, just exactly what the role of, of, of an operations director CEO is and, and how it kind of ties in with the, you know, the sporting director type of thing. I think, you know, by and large, um, where United are going, I mean, Capuano worked for UEFA before um, during Euro 2020. Uh, so he obviously has, you know, he'll have kind of good contacts, I'd like to think he had good contacts and all the rest of it. They restructured the whole thing. Andy Goldie, uh, the academy director, I think, and and, and Joe Rice, who was the, the comms director, um, uh, or is is kind of you know the head of, head of communications here. They they've been kind of given extended roles as well. I think you know so that that ties in with the finance director Derek Bond. It's part and parcel. I think the um, you know just just the whole um, attempt to I think further professionalise United, further extend their reach um, into a European field. I mean, there are big, big plans for United. I mean, many people would look and, and think of the size of the club that they've got ambitions that overleap themselves as, uh, you know, as um, what, what great Shakespearean play did not come from. You know, was it the Scottish play? Um, you know, so, you know, you're talking about bringing someone in who they say have got, has got kind of great knowledge and experience. Uh, and, and I think the, the key thing is innovation. Uh, they're talking about, you know, and, and leadership. So these are all the buzzwords that that, that, that we hear. But there's a certain culture um, that's been created at United, uh, and and this is all, I think, part um, part and parcel of it. But I think it goes a wee bit wider than just the operations director Andy Goldie. Just a very brief chat with Andy the other week. At, one of the game, Andy is you know is is kind of working hard on uh, producing the academy 
um, you know, kids right through elite level. So, you know, you, you, you can't gainsay what's been done at United at the moment. Um, that That's all going very well. Uh, and Joe, I mean, Joe's, Joe's a fan stroke kind of comms director. He's been at the club for, for over 20 years, you know. Um, so there, there, there's now a backroom back uh, team in all areas, communications, day-to-day running the club, you know, the, the whole sporting director links into, into players and, and, and other clubs that theoretically should stand united in, in very, very good Very much stead. their team um, now, isn't it? It's, you can you talk well, about that in football terms yeah, when yeah. It's like a manager's got his own, all his own people. It's, He's got his own folk in. There's, there's been a change in the guard, hasn't there, at Tanner? Well, it complete, almost completely. I mean, <clears throat> it's uh, the place is unrecognisable from, uh, from what it was just even a, a couple of short years ago, you know, so... But that's the nature. That's the nature of football. I mean, you know, the, the game oh, yeah. is. I mean, even at United's level, and I don't mean that in any dismissive terms, because United United overshot their the runway when they were a, a, still a smaller club under Jim McLean. You know, they were always a pretty forward thinking club. You know, I mean, I sometimes think people forget this. You know, Dundee United were kind of splashing out uh, Scottish transfer records. Uh, you know, for Eamon Bannon and Willie Pettigrew um, under Wee Jim thirty odd years ago. You know, they, they were always ahead. Of, they were, they were. You know, historically they were they were going for the Scandinavians. And only them and Morton were doing it. They were going into South America for for players when when you know other, others hadn't even contemplated it. You know, so United have always had this kind of innovation about them, and I think to some extent they you know they slightly kind of reinvent the wheel in this. But I mean, the game is global. I mean, I, I still sense. I wrote about this a long, long time ago, Eric. I still sense that United will end up in some kind of tie up with, uh, you know, one of these kind of multi-club scenarios. I, mean, I can't remember the last time I wrote about that, but, you know, uh, even if not in a, a formal, but an, almost an informal setting, because that is the nature of the way the game is going. So when you bring in people that have got the kind of experience um, that United now have around about them, and, and when you bring in somebody like Luigi Capuano, that, that I think, is where the whole thing is headed. You know, you have a kind of a, a sporting director, Tony Asgar, um, you, you, have, you have a young manager who kind of buys into that whole collective, uh, collegiate kind of approach to, to football. And it is entirely different from the old way of running the game. But listen, we, we all work, we, we all have seen. Uh, way some some organisations are simply slower in, in getting there. I mean, I sometimes see BBC now and think, goodness me, I was asking you to stream sports in ten years ago live when we could have done it, and, and now they're now they do it. You know, um, some some clubs are slower to adapt. Um, some organisations are slower to adapt. United have, United have been, I think, at the head of the game. And that's only time ever tells, of course. But at the moment, I've said this before, there's very, very little to complain about about the way things are going at Tanner. They, you know, they, they went off the boil against a very strong, physically strong and good heart side uh, the weekend. I'm kind of I'm tempted to bet that next time they meet, it'll certainly not be a uh, the kind of doing that they got at Tynecastle. But things are going pretty well. And, and this is part and parcel, I think, of... Um, of that whole collegiate collectivist and wide, you know, that wide embracing uh, move in, in, into football culture. The the one that intrigues me, Alan, is and this this uh, latest announcement just plays into it, is is the guy that uh, Jim mentioned there, Andy Goldie. Because I've said this before on the podcast, I don't think I don't think there's another. I mean, what's his current? What's I couldn't even tell you what his job, what his uh, title is. There's another sort of academy director. Say, say it's that. I'm, I'm probably wrong. I don't think there's another one in Scottish football as powerful as Andy Goldie is at Dundee United. I, I would say if you were to do, Jim may disagree, but if you were to, I would put in terms of the mo- in the power base at Dundee United, if you want to call it that, I think you would go Tony Ashgar, Andy Goldie. Before you would you would say Tam Courts, you know I think I think the the club he is absolutely integral to to that club's direction and it's there's, he's not really got an equivalent in the in the Scottish game, Alan. Absolutely, and this latest appointment just sums that up. It just reinforces Andy's power base, and that's indicative of the importance that Dundee United are placing on their youth academy. It's not just vague pleasantries about how nice it is to have kids in the young team. They are putting it at the absolute heart of their business model. And as such, they're making the person in charge of that department incredibly important to the football club. So it makes perfect sense in that regard. And it shows that as well as talking the talk, they're walking the walk in terms of uh, where they prioritize the development of 
your care smiths of the world um, and the future of of this football club. So I think it's positive. Um, I've not had as many dealings with uh, Andy as uh, I know some of my colleagues have, but he is clearly um, a bright, forward-facing, confident person. And there is absolutely no harm in that in the in the world of football, providing that you know you you can you know your work justifies the swagger. And um, so far, when you look at uh, the level at which uh, Dundee United youth sides are performing at in the CES Elite League, and you look at the amount of young players that are coming through to make their debut for Dundee United, and not looking in any way out their depth, then. You know, he is absolutely justifying the the reputation he has and the importance that he has within that football club. So, yeah, I think it's... um I'm glad Andy's the one you asked me about because I'd struggle to tell you much about Joe or uh, Joe Carvalho. Uh, sorry, uh, Luigi Capuano. Um, it's um, it's uh, but, uh, delighted for delighted for Joe as well. You know that's a, I know uh, how immensely proud um, Joe must be at this latest uh, appointment. He's been you know dealing with us uh, media scallywags for so many years that um, I'm, I'm sure he'll be glad if he can do a, a little bit less of that. He is a survivor of the. Of, he has crossed the. Uh, He's crossed the uh, generations at United as well. But anyway, anyway sorry, Jim, I interrupted yeah, no, you. I, I think, you know, I, I, and this is only a suspicion of mine, I think, you know, and, and I, but I've raised it before, and it ties in with what I just said there, but the kind of, you know, that, that wider reach United have got when you, when you appoint somebody like Capuano, who's worked for UF as a team services manager and all the rest of it, during Euro 2020. I, I, my suspicion is there's part of a longer plan here. I mean, I, I've felt, I think I hinted at this in my call the other week, and it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm not kind of, um, uh, you know, um, f- casting a net and fishing here. I mean, my, my suspicion is in, in, in a couple of years' time, maybe even longer, maybe less, that, that Mark Ogren uh, uh, may well decide that, you know, he's had his fun, he's enjoyed it, it's been a great ride, but it's maybe time to move on to, to something else. It's also cost him a lot of money. Um, and that ties in with this notion that I've got that United may well end up as part and parcel of, of a kind of bigger um Almost a conglomerate, you know the way Man City own, you know various clubs and, and 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 various clubs now, you know the bigger clubs are involved with kind of smaller clubs throughout. I I, I kind of wonder if this is all leading in that direction that you may well you know see um, United making moves to you know o- over the coming year, year, two years, three years, whatever, to um, to tie in with something like that. I mean, I, I don't think, and I've not thought for a long time, that Mark Ogden will be there forever. Very few people in football are. I mean, it, it is a changing world. I mean, I'm always fascinated. I'm as fascinated by the politics of the game uh, uh, and the finances of the game, always was, uh, than I'm just by the 4 4 twos on the field. I mean, you know that kind of, and you better reach for the, the Roger Mitchell gong here, which we've not had for a while. Oh, <laughs> Eric, you know. Well, uh, but yeah, I speak to Roger regu- regularly, and I mean, although he kind of, you know, he tends to be looking at the way the game is going in a broader, uh, you know, a, a broader sense, probably the bigger clubs in the world. I think, you know, the, the Dundee United, this world, limited ranking clubs are tied in uh, with that. I mean, the football essentially at the end of the day is a business. It always was. It simply is a business. Uh, and, you know, I think that's what you're seeing here. You're seeing that you know, you've got to be absolutely right on the business front. That ties in completely with the footballing side of it. And I just think there are probably um, bigger plans uh, afoot for United that, that might well end up seeing a different style of ownership or a new owner just just somewhere down the line. And that these kind of um, reshuffles and, and renewals of the executive team, as, as they put it, uh, could be part and parcel of that. Yeah, well, going, going back on the pitch, Alan, do you th- uh, United, they have had a bit of a drop-off in terms of in terms of results and probably performances as well. Um, they came up against a good team, as Jim said, at Hearts, but I think we kind of all expected it to be a bit closer than it was. Charlie Mulgrew, it looks like the injury isn't going to be serious, so that's a big relief because clearly he is absolutely the cornerstone of, of that Dundee United team. Squad depth-wise, are United potentially vulnerable if he was to be out for a few weeks or another other key players like a Ryan Edwards, I'm thinking, maybe even a, a Peter Pollitt now. You know, they've got three or four guys. Every team has three or four guys absolutely crucial to them. But does squad depth concern you slightly? I think, as you allude to there, if you take three or, you know, if you you can list maybe one, two, three, four players at every single Scottish Premiership club out with Rangers and Celtic, 
who would be irreplaceable. It's just that, you know, there's no club that has the, the squad depth to replace someone as important to Dundee United as, for example, Charlie Mulgrew is. Um, but having said that, I would count the Hearts game as a little bit of an aberration. It's, um, you know, the, the Mulgrew um, exit was unforeseen. And then, um, to, as Tam Courts uh, alluded to, uh, Kerr Smith had, had a, a difficult week and uh, and then, you know, had a, a difficult outing at, at Tynecastle. But he will learn from that and come back stronger, no doubt. So I, I wouldn't be looking at that as, as a disastrous defeat or indicative of any great kind of malaise. It's... Um, you know, as Ian Hark said after the game, it's. I don't think anyone was under any illusions that, uh, aside from Jim, maybe that uh, Dundee United were going to win the league after the start that they had. <laughs> you'd be, you'd, um, you'd be listening them in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> however, uh, the, the you know, and and the positive sense of that is that if those players weren't getting too high with the highs, then they're definitely not going to get too lows. With I don't think they're going to be third either, are lows. they? I think Hearts. I think no, can, I, I, Hearts look the strongest to the. The best of the rest, and but Hearts United, the, I think four, fourth, they've got a genuine shot at. I do think United have got a genuine shot at fourth, just with, with Hibs looking as very Hibsy, you know. And, and I agree. Aberdeen. I think Hearts are <laughs> Hearts are the third best team in Scotland by a considerable distance. And we were saying the Championship wasn't particularly strong, uh, you know. Earlier, I don't think it's a very strong Premiership at all. Um, Aberdeen are topsy turvy, miles off it. Um, Hibs are going in a, a slightly alarming direction just at the moment and that's left Hearts as the only real team up there that you think other than Rangers and Celtic you think oh that's a you know that's a really 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 tough game um I think beyond that anyone can beat anyone and there's no reason why Dundee United can't be you know I, I think that top six place now is has gone from being a, a target to being uh likely and there's no reason why they can't aim slightly higher than that. Yeah. Jim, Kerr Smith, what's your, I mean, you've seen umpteen United starlets come and go and, and break through and sort of make make great first impressions a year and some that have probably been, you know, more of a slow burn. Is he, is, does he just, does he... Is your impression a guy that justifies the the hype, if you like? I mean, he's getting he's getting some big big names linked with him. You know, Liverpool, the latest. Um, what's your what's your, what's been your first impressions? And for me, I I don't I don't think you can I think you can forget him as a right back, can't you? He's he's built like a centre half. He looks like a centre half. He has to be centre half. Um, he's you know certain certain players have the physique to. To sort of, de- it's easier to develop as a fullback before you go into a centre half. But his his body shape and natural game doesn't seem to f- to fit that that sort of career path for me. I think it's going to be as a centre half. He has to make his errors like he did at at Tynecastle. What's what's your your impressions of him? Yeah, he. Well, I mean, he's he's, he's young, Eric. You know, that, that's that's all you can say. And I mean, I've seen, we've all seen so many young you, kids young coming through. You see straight away, you go, "Wow!" You know, yeah, you, you yeah. know, they're they're destined to hmm. to be I mean, stars. Is he one of them for you? I, I, at this moment, I would reserve judgment. He, look, he looks a very fine player, I think. You know, there's certain, he's, he's many fine qualities at the moment. You know, um, if you're asking me, is he a, you know, is he a Christian Daly or something like that, kind of breaking through at kind of 16 years of age or, or, or an Andy Gray who came through very young? I mean, a different uh, position, obviously. But um, <clears throat> I think it's, you know, it, it's too early to, to say. I mean, you know, I, I think the fact that already, you know, you, you've got um, clubs that kind of, uh, Liverpool, you know, um, being linked to them, and you've always got, you've got, you've always got to watch with this stuff because we know all this stuff. You know, there's been, there's been talk about Man U, Leicester, Everton, Villa, all, all been uh, interested. But I mean, you know, the, 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 at the end of the day, um, you'll know if they're interested when when somebody actually puts an offer on the table. Um, and they, and the age course, group, they, they, uh, these big clubs hoover up the young ones because it doesn't cost them much and it's it's worth the <clears> risk, isn't it? It's not that, like they're talking. That, that's right. I mean, you know, I mean, having a basically, you know, he he could he could still be sitting his O levels. You know, six, well, he's sixteen now. You know, I mean, um, his O levels is higher or something like that. You know, I mean, um, but you know, physically, 
strong player, you know. Um, does he, you know, does he have the ability? Well, I think he's got the ability. Um, then it comes down to things like, you know, the kind of temperament, um, you know, can he keep the head well, you know, where you start to get that swirl around about you, you know, and you speak to your pals or mates or whatever, and you're being linked with you know, the top clubs in British football and all the rest of that. Um, it can be difficult to retain um, focus in, in a situation like that for any, for any young boy. So there's a whole load of things there, you know. I mean, obviously, you're not, you're not will want to keep him, but they will... Uh, if he's been linked with, with with these kind of clubs, that, that that becomes very very difficult. But until such times as there's actually an offer on the table, um, then it then it becomes uh, you know. Uh, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think the, the the last great signing that Liverpool made from uh, um, from United, and I know it's them has been primarily linked at the moment, was, was of course Ron Yates back in the sixties. Now that effectively uh, transformed Shankly's side to become you know the great Liverpool club that we we know today. Kerr you know? Smith is the new Ron Yates. <laughs> the new Ron Yates. Yeah, there, there's your headline. You know. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> so, thank, you. thank you, Jim. So, you always deliver. That'll do. I always deliver. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows? He's a young boy. I, th- I mean, I, what I've seen of him so far, I like the look of. Uh, but I'm now too long in the tooth to say this boy will be a star because a million things can happen between now and then. Um, but I have to say, you know, most of the young players I've looked at at and thought they've got a career. I've been right on so far, you know, the two suitor boys and all the rest of it. You know, so I mean, I think he, he's a boy with with a major, major promise. Um, but at the moment, you know, uh, it's early days. Oh, he's not willing to be bookmarked like you. He has your Dick Campbell. Your Dick Campbell shout, Alan. Very, very poor. Right, so we've, you've, it's a rubbish premiership, Alan. You've told us that. Are you worried about Dundee at the bottom end of this rubbish premiership? I <laughs> uh, painted me in a corner there. I now know how it's to be on the other end of one of your grillings, Eric. That's uh, <laughs> painted me in a corner there. Uh, <laughs> The next uh, the next month or so is going to be uh, huge once they come back from the international break. Um, I know this festive period, as Jim says, the, the bleak midwinter is um, a, a, a defining period for all clubs. But um, uh, my colleague George has done some uh, you know great stuff that you can check out on the Courier website on the the sheer amount of congestion that Dunfermline, uh, sorry, that Dundee face in the next uh, period, and that is going to, in many ways. Def- find the momentum that they have if that goes well then they have talent in that group they have players that need minutes fitness and momentum that's you know that's your guys like Lee Griffiths when he's fit again players like Jason Cummings who's a a confidence player these are all guys that if you get them fit firing um, then they can make a difference Um, however you can't let some bad results become a, a, a real dip, which is what, in fairness, Dundee have been really good at not doing. It's you know they've had a couple of painful defeats, but they then bounce back with a result like, say, the Aberdeen uh, result. It's you know they they've tended to bounce back, and that's what they'll they'll need to do because they can definitely get dragged in, especially with flickers of life at Ross County, you know, most notably the shellacking they gave uh, Dundee, but also, you know, they they showed uh, an attacking impetus at Ibrooks that, you know, scarce clubs show um, away from home against the champions. So I would worry about the the signs of life that you're seeing from uh, Ross County down there. Um, So Dundee, there is an imperative to, to pick up, there is an imperative to find some consistency, but they have the players to do that if they can find a little bit of um, confidence and momentum. And they have a manager that's proved through the championship and now into the premiership that when things get tough and when even you know some punters are calling for his head, he can pull out a big result. He just needs to pull out a few big results in a row. thing is, Jim, when you go through, as, as much as it might not be vintage quality, you, you could go through them team by team of the, the possibles for for bottom and second bottom and, and being involved in it. And you go through them and it's one of those where you go, oh, they'll, they'll not go down, they'll not go down, they'll not go down. <laughs> then you get to the end and you think, hold on, I've just said, you know, there's there's 12 teams that can't go down here. It has that sort That's of right. feel, you know, <clears throat> doesn't it? Well, we did it for seasons with Hamilton, didn't we? They'll not, they'll not go down, they'll not go down, they didn't, and then they did. Um, I, I, I think the, the worry for Dundee, I mean, I, I think it said that, but, could have called him last weekend that 
you know, just um, they come off a good result, and just just as you know, James McPake is hoping to put a wee mini run together. They have to face Celtic. Yeah, time was awful, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, time. The is lousy, and and that that that's a difficulty. I mean, this it's an extraordinarily tough league. I'm in Allen's camp with us. I, I thought Ross County. Um, that there's a lot about Ross County. I think that that um, looks right to me. Um, I, I think that they could well embark on a decent run. They've got a lot of very good players, a lot of very pacey players. Um, they can score from, from dead ball situations and all the rest, as we saw. And that shellacking, as he, as he, you mentioned there, oh, shellacking, as I would, I would put it, the lucky pronunciation. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, but look at you know, I mean, the, the problem now is you look at you know, Dundee get the the, the break, to get the break to get the players fit again. Maybe to get a wee bit of work done. Um, with players that they haven't managed to get so far, you know, a wee bit of shaping and all the rest of it, and you know, just working at roles and, and, and different formations and all the rest of it, and, and going through the various things that that managers often don't get the real real time to do. Um, plus injuries clearing up and we niggles and all the rest of it. <clears throat> but then, bang, you're right back into the serious um, element of actually, you know, saying, you know we need now to get it right in the park because you know we, we've gone through and I, I've been particularly guilty of this with Dundee looking and going there's a, there's a team there with three four real quality players in that but when the results don't match up to, to your hype then you have to kind of you know, when the facts change, you have to change your opinion. Now, the problem is for Dundee, they've got three extraordinarily, well, they've actually got four extraordinarily tough games coming up. In fact, they've actually got six if you look at it, but let's deal with what they've got coming up. Right after the break, they've got Motherwell at Dens. And Motherwell, you know, we don't need to talk about Motherwell. They're a good side. They're a strong side. They're, they're physically strong. They're cute on the deck. Um, they're a good team. At then it's St. Johnson, you know, um, and then it's Rangers. Uh, and then it's Ross County. So I mean, it just gets. I mean, it's a tough league. It's not the great. It's not the greatest uh, Premiership we, we'll have seen. But I, I think it might be one of the closest Premierships we've seen in a lot of years. This we're probably witnessing at the moment. We Hearts just at the Championship sitting third. Dundee United kind of in the throes of kind of regeneration, rebuilding, sitting fourth. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's a tough, tough division. Um, and Dundee have a string of very tough games coming up. And, and the proof of the pudding, I think, will come in the next next three or four games as to whether Ross County are going to kind of, you know, nail on to their, nail on to them. Because, I mean, bear in mind, I mean, County have a, a game in hand over them. So, you know, if they win that, there's only a point in it. Um, Livingston, who are two points, ahead of, uh, two points ahead of them, have a game in hand of them as well. So potentially that could be a, a, a five-point gap, you know. So th- they need very quickly to start putting that, that run of results together that sees them climb away from that table. It's going to, it's going to be a basement battle, Eric. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a bit old school this way. I still look, I've said this before many times, I still look on Dundee uh, as potentially one of the biggest clubs in Scottish football. But the truth of the matter is, in, in, for a lot of years now, they, they just haven't lived up to that billing. And I suspect that, you know, my ambitions uh, as a Dundonian for Dundee Football Club would be entirely different from the management um, who, will, who will see, who will probably rightly see survival as as, as the key. I, I like to think the club should actually be aiming at more than that, but I understand why they would think that survival uh, is what it's all about. And they're going to have a difficult, difficult job surviving um, this season unless they can start to turn it around and score goals. Um, and at the moment, the signs of that have been intermittent, to say the least. Yeah, we'll fin- we'll finish off with Saints. So, I mean, I've I've my take on on Saints just now is I'm a, I'm a glass I'm a glass half full type of guy. That's just that's me. But I, I think uh, I'm actually not. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I was going to say I didn't recognise that no, description. No, no, no. no. <laughs> with Saints, I am because because of everything that's happened before, and because of the confidence I have in, in Callum Davidson as a manager, and I think it would be very easy. And you could make a case for looking at St. Johnson being the lowest scorers in the SPFL. Um, it was an awful, awful game against St. Mern, but I, I've had a feeling before they even went into this latest run of run of matches that this was a period of the season where good management and solid teamwork was going to be pivotal and it was just this this feels like a stage of the season they have to navigate unspectacularly grind out a few results and then get into their traditional habitat of even post christmas of finding their rhythm and finding finding proper proper form that's how it should go because you could easily make a case for Hearts, Dundee United and their St Mern for them having lost all three 
just with the way the games went. They needed to really dig in to hold on to a point against Hearts, likewise at Tannadice, and then against St Mern, where, granted, St Mern didn't really push home a bit of a sort of the, the advantage of St Johnson not being at their best, but still, you know, you could see in Jim Goodwin's face, he's he's looking at the other way, thinking, I can't keep saying we're doing well, but but not getting the results to match it, and the, the two are, are, are neck and neck in, in the league. I think, you know, you have to look at that as as five five points that are that have been been gained and keep them ticking along and you navigate through this period, hopefully, and then when the midfielders in particular find their legs, find their, you know, find their fitness levels, you can think about, you know, you know, raise your sights type thing. That that's my that's my feeling with St Johnson just now. How how are you seeing it, Alan? I think you make a great point about that confidence in Callum Davidson because there's a huge difference between when a manager says things will come right, you know, we're working hard, we need to get, you know, form fitness and it will come good. There's a difference between the manager that says that and a manager who did exactly that the previous season and then won two trophies. That's, you know, he's, it's not a hypothetical suggestion that is being made, you know, amid all the amid all the glories and and great afternoons for St Johnston, it's so easy to forget that it was a slow burner of a campaign. It was a you know it was a real slow burner of a campaign. So that's the fact that there's a body of work there to point to and say that there's no need to panic is is enough evidence that Callum Davidson has been over this course before and presumably will get it right. Um I mean the goals need to come from the somewhere. Goals. I mean, I, I would be inclined. I would be inclined to flip it back to you on that one, Eric. In terms of you know, are we going to see a two Vertanen at some point? Or you're getting your own is, back here now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. What's what's the what's the missing link? Because um, you, he was supposed you know, to be the missing link. He was supposed yeah. to be the, the the guy that went. We never quite got it nailed down. What and I, th- I mean, Callum said himself they were taking a risk. You know, it was it was a gamble. He he wanted to take a risk. I don't think it was ever absolutely nailed down what would be his best position. I think it was probably because he, you know, he's one of the, he said he can play off wide. He can play. I think he was going to be a second striker just off. And, you know, I wrote a piece at the start of the week. They're saying for all the talk and the hope that this wasn't going to be the parallel with Guy Melamed, that's exactly how it has transpired. You know, you have to really, really earn your place in that team, particularly in, in the forward positions because... You know, Saints don't. You know, they, they need they need players to get them up the pitch, and he's. I think he, I think we're going to have to have a look at him before January. But I think all options are open. I think uh, he either gets a chance, takes it, gets a chance, doesn't take it, and you could then you're looking at do you cut your losses? Do you say right, okay, guys, all of us, you have a mature disc, you know, chat and say, look, okay, Scottish football it hasn't worked for me. I want to go home. Do you also then think by which then you automatically bring somebody in? I think they'll bring somebody in no matter what. But you bring somebody in, and but then you but you say no. I still have faith in you. We've got the difference between Vertinen and Melamed is that they've got them under two year deal. Do you then say okay, go to Wraith Rovers for the second half of the season, find your feet in Scottish football, score some goals, and then. We, we get the player we thought we were hoped we were going to get next season and you bring somebody in in the meantime who is going to do the job in the short term for you this season. You you, you do that. So all all options are open. But yeah, he was he was going to be the one that was going to was going to make the difference because let's face it, at the moment, you know, you're looking at Chris Kane, Stevie May, you know, Glenn, Glenn Middleton's been a bit of a disappointment to me of late. I think I thought he could be the one again that could, you know, football managers all talk about the next level. I thought he was going to go to the next level, but at the moment, it's not. It's not quite happening to that extent. He's still looking like the the impact player that that did so well in that role for Saints at the end of last season. So yeah, it's there's, you know, that is the area, Jim. Taking it on to you, that is the area where you know St. Johnson can have that where they've got that scope to to improve. 
Yeah, you know the way my mind works, Eric. I get easily kind of sidetracked. And when you mentioned Vertanen there, kind of, you know, I want to go home, it kind of immediately reminded me of the Sloop John B uh, number. I feel so broke up, I want to go home. Sloop John B, of course, being the nickname of John Blackley, who... Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah. manager, and, and of course, anyhow, I, I slightly digress, but only slightly. I, I like to keep these kind of things on football. You've been making you know, a habit of this week. You know, I, you know, um, look, I think the thing with Saints at the moment, I mean, they, they, off, what, five points from the last three games, you know, draw draw against Hearts, draw against St. Man, win against United in between times. I mean, that, that, that steady Eddie stuff and that kind of, you know, that's Callum Davidson, no panic, steady Eddie, steady as she goes. And, and I think that, that kind of kind of managerial style um, transmits to the squad. That approach, I think, ensures that, there's, that you know, that, that the squad kind of keeps a level head, doesn't slip into kind of any kind of complacency, you know, uh, and slow burn, as, as Alan said there. I mean, I, I kind of, the Saints have the, the um, a, a sufficient balance of graft and craft and equal numbers. I think they do, you know. Um, I think the... Uh, you, you, you would rather see them, I think, in a, a, a different position at the moment than, than where they are. If they'd the won on Saturday, that, they'd have been top six, Jim. Yeah, that's, that, the, thing. that's, a, that's the thing. And, and that, that's the whole thing about this league, that a couple of results, either way, can, can particularly with that top, that crazy top six split that we have, I'm not a great fan of it, but you know we've had it for such a long time, it's not going to change. And, and and a couple of results, either way, can, can see you pop into top six, pop out the top six. But, you know, I still look at a side that, you know, we, we Crawford, I like Crawford, uh, Kane, I know you got red card at the weekend, you know, middle in and uh, people like O'Halloran, there's still plenty of craft uh, uh, in that side, but a piece and all the rest of it. Um, in, in terms of Vertain, well, you know, what can you say? I haven't seen enough of them. No, no, I just haven't seen enough of him to see to know whether he's going to make anything of it. But still, you know, you, you still look at Saints and, you know, the United game, I was having a blather before I went up to the press box. Uh, we, 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 David Witherspoon and, and Liam Craig and, and, and you know those two weren't involved that day um, but you look at the bench and you know you've got me yeah, and Rooney, Witherspoon and, and, and Rooney and, and Craig I mean that's, that, that's a squad with more than sufficient depth to um, start to and I hesitate to even say turn it around because there's not a huge amount needing turn around you know I mean they're sitting there as you say on 14 points they're, you know they're a, they're a point behind Hibs in 6th place um, I know that Hibs have got a couple of games in hand and other rest, but you know they're 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 what they're 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 on the coattails of of Aberdeen, who are far better resourced than all the rest of it. So I mean, uh, you know, Callum Davidson's steady Eddie approach, and I think we'll, we'll, you know as the season wears on, we'll see Saints. I think work their way up. This will be this will be a more difficult season, I think, than ever to to make the top six. I mean, particularly given United's resurgence, Hearts have made it. I'm not even sure that they. The bravest uh, uh, of, of jambos would have suggested they'd be sitting third top of the league within two two points of Celtic at this stage in the season. But that, that's 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 where we are. It is what it is at the moment, and and, and Motherwell as well, who are, are are doing very decently. So it's going to be a very very top, uh, tough ask to make the top six uh, this season. But St Johnson, uh, if anyone is most likely to, they're the club most likely to. Lovely. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Enjoyed that and. Thank you very much for listening and go and lash your money on Dick Campbell for Dunfermline, folks. <laughs> we know what Mr. Temple's pre-season predictions are like, so there's another one for you. Oh, okay? <laughs> Lovely. Cheers, guys. Back next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.